Well, what is up, Element Church? Uh, so glad all of you are here with us today. I do want to welcome in those of you who are watching on video, whether right here in our building or somewhere around the world on the internet. So glad you're with us as well. If you're new here, my name's Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here at Element Church. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with us today as we are starting a new sermon series called Our Father, Praying Prayers That Matter. But before we dive into the message today, a couple things I I just want to share with you. First of all, the last two Sundays, uh, Pastor Andy and then Pastor Brendan did an amazing job bringing God's word to you. I'd love to thank them by showing them some honor today. If we could do that, they did an awesome job. And as the lead pastor here, I'm just so thankful for guys like them uh, who are fully capable to bring God's word to you. I know I was challenged uh, by what God shared through them. Second of all, back on May 8th on Mother's Day, we did a thing called Compassion Sunday where we really challenged uh, families in our church, people in our church, individuals, to become a sponsor to a child in need somewhere around the world through an organization called Compassion International. And I am so proud of you guys. Pastor Steve shared it earlier. You are a radically generous group of people. And I know that not everybody could participate, and that's okay. For those that could, uh, we challenge you to do that. And I just want to celebrate together uh, that collectively as a church on Mother's Day, we began to sponsor 105 children around the world, which is amazing. I think we should celebrate that as well. So we got a thank you note from Compassion International, and I can't read you the whole thing. Here's a portion of what they shared with us. A big thank you to your church for hosting Compassion Sunday. Your efforts will make a huge difference in the life of 105 children and their families. For every child sponsored, there is a gospel reach of about 30 people. So Element's gospel impact is approximately 3,000 people, which I did not know that until the letter, and that's amazing. The children's sponsor will experience the grace of God in a very visible and tangible way that will change the trajectory of their life. So for those of you uh, that were able to participate, uh, I would encourage you to, to keep on doing that. Uh, don't give up. I know there'll be months where it's hard, uh, but I believe God will reward you, be faithful to you for your generosity. I might be drinking more than usual today. I came down with a cold or allergies or something, and so my throat is really bothering me. If somebody said, I'll pray for you, that was awesome. I think that's what somebody said. If not, you should pray for me. Because <laughs> that would be awesome too. As I said, today we're starting a new sermon series called Our Father, Praying Prayers That Matter. And this whole series is based from the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave us in Scripture. Now, we don't normally do this. But every week in the series, we're going to take some time in the service to pray the Lord's Prayer together. So we're going to make our Catholic brothers and sisters feel right at home in doing this, uh, saying the Lord's Prayer. We're going to use the King James Version of the prayer. There might be a few words I took from the New Living just to make it a little bit easier to read. But we're using the King James because that's how most of us grew up learning it. That's how I learned it uh, when I w was a kid. And we're also going to use the word sins Instead of trespasses or debts in the prayer, I'll explain later in the series why we are using the word sins. My hope, my prayer is that by the end of the series, and maybe even by the end of today, we would begin to see the Lord's Prayer as something more than just words we recite, words that we 
repeat. Even now, as we say the Lord's Prayer together, as much as we can, as best we can, I want us to think about the words that we are saying and the potential power that they hold over our lives. It's not just something we repeat. There's power in this prayer. And so I have a graphic here on the screen that we will use uh, to recite the Lord's Prayer together. If you don't know, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And this was the response of Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, or Matthew 6, reading verses 9 through 13. His response, we'll start at the top, let's all say it out loud together, it says this, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's good. Now, prayer is a funny thing, isn't it? I mean, what are you supposed to pray for? How do I know when should I pray? What do I pray? Does God hear me when I pray? How do I know I'm praying prayers that matter? Those are all questions people have. And I think we all have questions about prayer, right? I have questions about prayer. So I assume that many of you have questions about prayer as well. Even if you're here today and you don't believe in God at all, you probably have questions about prayer as well. You might be asking a question like, why would you even pray? Or maybe you today don't believe in God because at some point in your life, you asked God to do something. He didn't do what you asked him to do. And that has led to dozens of questions about prayer, faith, Jesus, God, whatever it is. So no matter where your relationship with Jesus is at, if you have questions today, I would say that's awesome. Ask away. Like we want this to be a safe place for anyone and everyone to ask questions, to explore your faith in Jesus. Questions really are is what, what led me to this whole series anyway. I was asking the question of myself, how do I know I'm praying prayers that matter? And one of the greatest lessons I've ever received on this came to me from my own children and how they prayed in their lives. I, I love the honesty, the simplicity of children. I think there's a reason why Jesus said you should come to me with a childlike faith or come to me like little children. I think there's a reason he said that. In March of 2007, Element Church was still in its infancy. At that time, we had just a handful of people that were gathering together for, for a Bible study in the basement of, of our home, but we wanted to do something to love on and serve the city for Easter in a tangible way. And so I reached out to the director of the Parks and Recreation Department here in Cheyenne. Uh, he was leading the city Easter egg hunt. And I told him, not only would we love to serve at your event as volunteers, but if you would allow us, we will also provide four giant inflatable games uh, to have there previous and after the event so that the kids have something to do while they're waiting and so the parents don't strangle their kids while they're waiting for the Easter eggs to be uh, released. And we were so excited. This was the first serving opportunity we had to get out there and show the love of Jesus in this great city. But as Easter approached in Wyoming, as you can imagine, the weather report turned worse and worse. And 10 days out, it was calling for snow. 
Seven days out, snow. Three days out, snow. The day before the event, the weather report had not changed. It was calling for snow on the Easter egg hunt day. And so I was on the phone with the director of the Parks and Recreation Department talking about, okay, what do we do if it snows? And he said, well, we have an inside location, but if we move the event indoors, we only need one inflatable game, not four. And while I was talking on the phone with the director, uh, my son, Jonah, who was five at the time, he asked my wife, Sabrina, if we could pray for God to change the weather. I don't think I'd prayed up until this point about the weather, but Jonah wanted God to change the weather. Now, before you go thinking that he was some sort of amazing five-year-old spiritual savant, you need to understand his motive for God to change the weather was he wanted four inflatable games, not one. And so if God could change the weather, he got more options on the inflatable games, but it didn't change the fact that he fully believed God could change the weather if we just asked him. So I got off the phone, gathered our little family together. I don't even remember who prayed, but I remember what Michaela prayed. Michaela was three at the time, and she prayed in her sweet little Michaela voice this prayer. Dear Jesus, pray for Easter. Amen. That was it. And I was like, I knew, like I knew. In that moment, the Holy Spirit took those words and went straight to the throne of God and interceded on behalf of my little girl and my children. And my kids that day prayed prayers that mattered. And I was so convicted about my own prayer life. So we went to bed that night, woke up the next day, looked out the window, and lo and behold, it snowed so much they canceled the entire thing. Like we didn't even go inside. This canceled the whole event. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute. God didn't do what your kids asked him to do. So how can you say their prayer mattered? Like why were you so convicted about their prayers? And that's exactly it. It wasn't the faith, it wasn't the fruitfulness of my kids' prayers that convicted me. It was the faith in which they prayed them. That my kids truly believed God was going to change the weather, and they were not phased when he didn't do it. In fact, they were happy it snowed because we made snowmen. (laughs) Have you ever known someone who prayed in such a way that you said, I want to pray like that? That's how I felt about my kids that day. I want to pray with that kind of faith and with that kind of trust in God. Pastor Mark Batterson, who pastors an awesome church in Washington, D.C., he wrote a book called The Circle Maker. I believe we have some available at the Element Store. It's a book about prayer. It literally changed my prayer life. And he shared in his book about the time he had the privilege of going to the president's prayer breakfast. And this is what he shared in the book. I want to read it to you. Before breakfast... A 76-year-old African-American preacher who served alongside Martin Luther King Jr. in the Civil Rights Movement said a prayer. I could barely hear his words, but his faith was loud and clear. He prayed with such a familiarity with the Father that it was convicting. It's like his words were deep fried in the faithfulness of God. Now we're all hungry. I lost the men for the rest of the time today. After he said amen, I turned to my pastor friends and said, I feel like I've never prayed before. I felt like he knew God in a way that I didn't, and it challenged me to get closer to God. 
I wonder if that's how the disciples felt when they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. His prayers were so qualitatively different that they felt like they had never prayed before. Now, I believe, I don't know this to be true, but I believe more than the results Jesus got from his prayers, which, by the way, the results were amazing, But more than the results, I believe what stood out most to the disciples was the relationship Jesus had with the Father in heaven. That's why I believe when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, he was not giving us a mandate for how we should pray, but a model of what our prayers should look like. That that the Lord's Prayer is not a prescription to get what we want from God. It is packed with principles that will grow our relationship with God. Like my children, it's not the fruitfulness of our prayers that matter. It is the faith that drives our prayers that matter. That's more than what we pray for. It's more than the words we use. It is who we are praying to that make our prayers matter in light of eternity. That's why I would say this as my big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. It'll drive the rest of the message, and it's this. My position in my prayers is more important than my petition in my prayers. That my position is more important than my petition. That just means what I say. More than what I ask for, my position is most important. And when I say position, I'm not talking about physical posture. I'm not saying that if you bow down, you'll get more results than if you stand up or sit down or lay down. I'm not talking about physical posture. When I say position, I'm talking about my personal relationship with God. That my position matters more than my petition. So if my position matters that much, here's the big question we have to ask. How does my position affect my prayers? How does my position affect my prayers? We're going to look at Psalm 25, verses 1 and 2, but we're going to be in a number of different places in the Bible today. So let me kind of remind you of the the easiest way to follow along, if you don't know, is all the verses will be on the screens, okay? If you're using version, which is a free Bible app, I would encourage you to use that. Super easy to use. It's free on every app store. On version, you can open that up and find the events section and then look up Element Church WY. All of my notes, all the scriptures are on there as well. Obviously, if you have your own Bible, we'd love for you to use that. And if you don't own one, we'll give you one for free. Stop by guest services. We'll give you a Bible. And you might be thinking, Psalm 25, I thought this was about the Lord's Prayer. And it is, okay? Got to hang with me here. In the Lord's Prayer, I believe there are seven principles, okay? Seven principles that we're going to cover in four weeks. And these principles, I believe, are the key to praying prayers that matter. Now, these are all all seven principles I use in my own prayer life. Every single day I pray, I try to go through these seven principles. And at the end of the series, I'm going to give us what I believe to be a great prayer to start every day. Every time you pray, a great prayer to start in your prayer life. At the end of the series, we're going to put it all together. Uh, But it all starts with this one here. I think this is the most important one, is my position in my prayers. So how does my position affect my prayers? Number one is this. It establishes authority. Establishes authority. The first two words of Psalm 25, verse 1, I'm going to ask them to be put up on the screen there. Psalm 25, verse 1. 
I want us to say these two words together, all right? Let's say these two words together. Here we go. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Sounds a lot like the first part of the Lord's Prayer, does it not? Our Father. Think about the first line, just the first line of the Lord's Prayer. The disciples came to Jesus, and they asked him, teach us to pray. In Luke, I believe it's Luke chapter 11. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe in Luke chapter 11, they had just saw Jesus pray. And after they saw him pray, they came to him and said, teach us to pray. And Jesus then said what we know of as the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. You know what that means? Here's what it means to me. You are God, and I am not, so I surrender my position to you. You're God, not me, our Father, who art in heaven. Oh, Lord, my position in my prayer establishes authority in my life. John the Baptist was recorded in the Gospel of John saying this about Jesus, who we know of as God in the flesh. John 3, verse 30, John the Baptist says this about Jesus. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. It's a great prayer, by the way, to pray in your own life. I mean, do we realize, do we realize how big our God is? That, that God, our God, our Father in heaven, he is far above any rule or authority, power or dominion. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He has no beginning. He has no end. He cannot be contained. He'll never be fully described. As Pastor Brendan shared with us last week, his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But church, it even goes beyond that, how big our God is. I love how the psalmist tries to describe God in the Psalms. Psalm 89 verse 7 says this, the highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround his throne. That those mighty sword wielding angels that battle our enemies in the darkness, they stand in awe of how great God is. Psalm 113, 4 through 6. For the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. Who can be compared with the Lord our God? Who is enthroned on high? I love this verse. He stoops to look down on heaven and earth. I understand that God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere at all times and can see all things. But in trying to describe how big God is, this psalmist said he has to stoop down to look on heaven and earth. The, the mental picture I get is when you're walking through the living room and you think you see something underneath the couch. And so you do one of these Yep, they put food down there again. That's how big our God is. That he's so big that in order to even see the earth, he stoops. I think we've lost, we've lost some of our awe, some of our fear, some of the majesty and grandeur of who God is. Even the way we use his name. 
It has now become a cultural norm among people today, even among Christian people, to flippantly say, oh my God, over the most trivial of matters. Might I suggest that when we say, oh my God, we are taking the Lord's name in vain? The first two words of Psalm 25, 1, O Lord. And that word Lord there in the Hebrew language is the name that God gave himself. It was the highest of all the names, descriptive names of God. It's the name Yahweh. It's the name Yahweh. Now, Yahweh in the Hebrew language only has four letters, Y-H-W-H. There's no vowels. And here's the thing. We say Yahweh, okay? We, that's what we say. But we actually don't even know how to pronounce the name properly. Because this name of God, Yahweh, was so revered, so honored, so valued by the Jewish people, they would not even speak it out loud. So we don't know how to say it. We say Yahweh, we have no idea what it means. That's how much they respected and honored and revered just the name of God. And in fact, as they were copying manuscripts, if you don't know this, you know, there was like an original manuscript from the, you know, the author of Genesis or whatever. Well, Hebrew scribes would write it down to make other copies word for word. They were so serious about not missing a letter or a dot or a cross or anything that while they were writing it, another scribe would be looking over their shoulder, double-checking all their work. And when a Hebrew scribe would come across the name Yahweh and they would have to write it down, they would go wash their hands first before they even wrote the name of God. Many Hebrew scribes went a step further and they so respected that name that they would take a bath, put on fresh, clean clothes, and then make a new pen from scratch before they wrote down God's name. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's, that's not really a big deal. Do you know how many times Yahweh's used in the Bible? Over 6,200 times. In the book of Genesis chapter 2 alone, I counted them. In chapter 2 of Genesis, there is 11 times the name Yahweh is used in Genesis chapter 2. So can you imagine getting to the second book and you take 11 baths? Some parents of teenage boys are thinking they should be Hebrew scribes. Our house would smell so much better. That's how much they honored God. My position in my prayers is more important than my petition. Why? Because it establishes authority. And why is that so important? Here's why. I need to establish authority and remind myself of the authority of God over my life so that if he doesn't do what I've asked him to do, I will remember our Father who art in heaven. You are God, and I am not. So I surrender my position to you. How does my position affect my prayers? It establishes authority that I'm not God, and neither are you. Number two is this. It eliminates autonomy. It eliminates autonomy. Psalm 25, verse 1 
I'm going to read further now. It says this. O Lord, I give my life to you. Give my life to you. I learned something in my study. This is so, so huge. I'm about to blow your mind. So I hope you're ready for this, okay? When you read this in the original language, it doesn't say, Oh Lord, I give 65 minutes to you between 11 a.m. and 12.05 p.m. on Sundays when I go to church. As long as they stay within the time frame they said they would, if they go over, I guess I'll give you a few extra minutes. But if they're under, I'm taking back that time. You're blown away, aren't you? I can tell. It doesn't say, oh, Lord, I give 65 minutes to you. It says, oh, Lord, I give my life to you. A life. In the Hebrew phrasing, okay, if you really dig down in the Hebrew, which I had to read about because I can't speak it, but the phrasing does not indicate a temporary raising of my heart to God. The phrasing seems to indicate a permanent setting of my affections on him that because you are God and I am not I acknowledge I can't do this on my own I need you so I give you my life Jesus said this Matthew 5 verse 3 this is from the longest recorded sermon of Jesus the sermon on the mount says this God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I just, I just need you. Got a great question for us, me included. How many of us pray as if we need God? I shared with you a few weeks ago how I failed in this as a follower of Jesus. Okay? I had to confess my sin and repent to God of how I was praying. Because here's the reality. I know it's true for me. We are great at praying as if we need things from God. We're great at praying as if we need God to do things for us. But how many of us, me included, simply pray as if we just need God? That he's all I need. I give my life to you. That God, I am nothing without you. So I give you my life. Friends, this is not a one-time thing. This is an ongoing, everyday thing. Job, from the Bible, okay, story in the Bible, he learned this the hard way. If you've never read Job, you should read it sometime. It's a longer book. It's 42 chapters long. The first 38 chapters are filled with false accusations about God from Job's friends. And it's also filled with complaints, suggestions, demands, and questions from Job to God about why God allowed him to go through difficulty in life. Like Job was literally demanding answers from God. I don't know if you've ever read God's responses, but you should. Because it is literally quite scary and a little hilarious. So in Job 38... After 37 chapters of complaints, critiques, comments, and suggestions, Job 38, God audibly speaks to Job. And look at what it says, Job 38, 1 through 4. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Hello, I'm listening. 
Then he says this, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. And then for two whole chapters, God just asked Job question after question after question. And really, they are rhetorical questions, but they're also quite sarcastic, which is proof to me that sarcasm is indeed a spiritual gift, and my family excels at the use of this gift. So here's a few, two chapters full of questions. Here's a few that God asked Job, and you will catch the sarcasm because he's laying it on pretty thick. It says this to Job, have you ever commanded the morning to appear or caused the sun to rise in the east? Mm, no. Do you know where the gates of death are located? Mm, no. Have you visited the storehouses of snow? Do you know where I store the hail? Can you shout at the clouds and make it rain? And he's not talking about make it rain. (laughs) And then my favorite one. This is where the sarcasm really comes in. Do you know when wild goats give birth? (laughs) He did this for two whole chapters. And then he says to Job, do you still want to argue with me? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers, God said? Look at Job's response, Job 40. Three through five. This is after he pooped a little. Doesn't say that, but you know he did. Then Job replied to the Lord, I am what? Nothing. I'm nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Two more chapters. God does the exact same thing. Brace yourself. I've got some questions. And then Job responds, Job 42, 1 through 6. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I'd only heard about you before. But now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. You know what Job is saying? You are God, and I am not. And so I surrender to you. Like, I am nothing without you. How does my position affect my prayers? Establishes authority, eliminates autonomy. And then number three is this. It expresses my assurance. It expresses my assurance in God that my position in my prayers is more important than my petition in my prayers. Psalm 25, now reading all of verse 1 and the first part of verse 2, says this. O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Doesn't say I trust in what you're able to do. Doesn't say I trust in what you can do for me. I trust you, our Father, who art in heaven. You are God, and I am not. So I surrender my position to you, that whatever comes my way, I trust you. It's a game changer, church. You start praying that way, And you will pray prayers that matter. 
not because of what you're asking for, but because of who you are asking from. Our Father, who art in heaven, Yahweh, the unspeakable name of God, is living and active in your life. So here's my challenge for all of us today. If you believe or don't believe, I would challenge you to do this. Take you one minute to do. One minute. I would challenge you this week, okay? Take that first phrase of the Lord's Prayer and make it the very first thing you do in the day. Very first phrase, first thing you do. Take you one minute. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your nightstand. Write it down somewhere. Make a reminder on your phone. I don't care how you do it. But the first thing you do, I just want you to get up, sit down, and just say this. Our Father, who art in heaven, you are God, and I am not. So today, I surrender my position to you. Just say that. Every day this week, we'll build on it starting next week. We'll take the next phrase, hallowed be thy name. Excited about that one. Talk about what praising God actually looks like, and then we'll tack on the rest. We've got to pack some in at the end of the series. But by the end of the series, we'll have a whole... Kind of some principles for us to use in our lives. But I want you to notice the last two words of verse 2. They're powerful. My God. I trust in you, not the God. I trust in you, not a God. I trust in you, my God. So my question for you today is, have you made the God your God? Can you say my God? God when it comes to our Heavenly Father? Because whether you agree or not, whether you believe or not, He is Lord. But He's only your Lord when you surrender your life to Him. So if you're here today and you have never put your faith in God through Jesus, you need to understand Jesus came as one of us, died because of us, and rose victorious so that if we put our faith in him, we will be given new life in Christ and our lives will be forever changed. And you can, sit, you can put your faith in Jesus by just calling out to him with this prayer. It will change your life. And if that's you, I want you to say this prayer with me just silently in your heart between you and God. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you, you can say this prayer with me. Father in heaven, You are God, and I am not. And you declare the way to salvation. And the only way is Jesus. So I put my faith in you, God, through Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Everything I've ever done, I give it to you. Please wash me clean and make me new. I will repent. I'm repenting from my sins. I will turn from my old life and do my best to follow you in this new life. I receive from you salvation. Thanks for loving me. Please help me love you back. I want to live as if you are my God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you, for the very first time, prayed that prayer to ask Jesus into your life, would you do something bold? Just lift your hand up, leave it up. Say, Pastor Jeff, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Anybody say that by raising your hand right where you are? Awesome, right there. Praise God. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Awesome. All through here. Praise God. Anybody else? Yes. Awesome. Praise God. Right in the front. Love it. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Listen, so proud of you guys. So proud of you. And I say this every time. That is the best decision you'll ever make but it is the hardest one you'll ever live.
And so we want to help you on your journey. We created a, tw- a, a, a next steps booklet called 21. It takes you on a 21-day journey through the gospel of John in the Bible, the story of Jesus, and we'll help you take your next steps in following Jesus. You can ask for that at guest services. We'll get that right in your hands. And if you'd also just let us know uh, through marking on your connection card that you asked Jesus into your heart, that'd be amazing. We're not going to bug you or anything. We just want to know about it, celebrate God uh, with you. And so, so proud of you guys that did that. Thanks for uh, being honest and raising your hands. I love you guys. I uh, can't wait to finish this series. It's going to be amazing. And I really do hope that it leads us into praying prayers that matter. Let me pray for you and then remain seated. Ryan's got some closing remarks. God, you're so good. You, you are more good than we ever deserve. And yet you give us everything. Lord, we, we have nothing. We are nothing. And yet you gave us everything through Jesus. I just can't wrap my, my mind around that. And so, Lord, I will say right now what we just prayed. Our Father who art in heaven, you are God and we are not. So we surrender to you. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.